Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralizing the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. And welcome back. This is Hour 3 on Thursday. And, of course, people should know Hour 3 on Thursday is... USA Prepares Hour. We're talking with Vince Finale. He has his own show here at Genesis Network and also broadcasts on RBN. Vince has been doing prepping for decades, trying to teach, and we're trying to always change our teaching technology. In fact, we're gathering more and more names on us of people who want to be preppers. And uh, if you don't want to prep, I think we should actually, and I'm, I'm getting some new dates I want to put in the U.S. calendar. Uh, three dates I have so far. The first date is National Surrender Day, which is the day before inauguration, so you surrender to world government. That would be the day before inauguration. The other is Unhappy Unbirthday for the 61 million babies we've aborted until we have a rereading by the Supreme Court and get rid of abortion. And the third date is the Unprepper Day, the day that you decide that maybe this is a day that we will we'll all die of a thermonuclear war or an EMP attack, and then, of course, we'll just die from starvation, lack of food, water, and maybe just cannibalism. And people say, well, that can't happen here in America. I have classified government documents from Australia, Canada, and the United States, and all three came to the same conclusion that in six months, mostly in the first two months, but in six months, that 90% of the population would be dead just from EMP. We're not talking about a war or pestilence or, you know, major weather changes. We're just simply talking about loss of power. And people don't understand that our civilization is so fragile. And the EMP attack, we just mentioned this briefly at the end of the talk with uh, Bill Still. Uh, he was, you know, I think uh, 360,000 people on his videos that watch him. Bill's a guy that wrote the first book on the New World Order back in 1990. He sold a quarter million books. He mentioned that EMP was our, you know, our lowest fruit on the tree that causes trouble. And uh, to be honest with you, to tell you how easy it is to do, if I fire a rocket 100,000 feet in the air and I have a three kiloton EMP-based weapon, low-yield nuclear weapon that create an EMP pulse, I can knock out power for 1,880 miles. So for you to do this, even off the coast of either the east or west coast or the Gulf of Mexico, is easy sneezy. And you wouldn't even hear a pop, and all of a sudden your gas wouldn't pump in your pump, your cell phone wouldn't work, and the power to your home and your refrigerator wouldn't work, and in four days they'd have to start 
because they have backup power for the water, they don't have backup power for sewage treatment. They have to cut the water to your home where you'll have sewage backing up in your sink and your tub. Now, if you actually link through this in a war game, and I mentioned this back to the CDC and the FBI back in 1997 and again in 2001 when I met these characters, because I was appointment at Reserve Admiral Hughes on biological and radiological terrorism, I said, I don't know if you people are just stupid or evil, but you're not listening. And the problem is, the government, and these guys were chuckling like a bunch of uh, you know minor demons in the ring of fire. I mean, this is how crazy it was talking to these characters, because you'd ask plausibly deniable questions, and they'd give you answers that were right out of a Mad Hatter's tea party. And uh, we want to talk about some of the solutions that you can implement. For example, you know, one of the things that's going to happen probably tomorrow or the day after is my son's move into Flagstaff, which we call Prepper City, because it's right by the Hopi Indians and is isolated by Flagstaff, which is the University of Northern Arizona, is an area that's easy to prep and protect yourself against nuclear war, EMP, and other things, and a place to prep. But people don't realize that they're living in big cities. They don't have a backup plan for even food or water. They don't have a backup power plan for power. People haven't thought through even the simplest things of how to survive, have they? Uh, you're absolutely right. And just uh, to go along with what you were saying, I've had a discussion with our family, uh, our entire family, that if uh, they lose telephone service, immediately head home. So if the cell phone doesn't work, if they have cell phones, uh, I don't have one, but if they have one and it stops working, head home immediately. Get out in front of whatever may be happening. Right. So, and, and, on a, and on a known path. So, for example, we need to know how our children are going to head here. What is the, what's path number one, what's path number two, and what's path number three? And that's really easy to do. You just get some maps. You get a state map. They're available right. from, uh, free from the government. And you color code them. And you have one uh, highlighter, like yellow, for example. That's the path that they take from school to home if they're in college, okay, or from work uh, to the, the base of operations or the rally point, you know, in yellow. And then maybe uh, blue would be path, the second path. And then the alternative would be um, pink. And they let you know that typically they're going to be on, you know, path one, if that doesn't work, path two, and then if that doesn't work, path three, so that you don't go looking all over for them. So ideally you need to know the route that they take rather than uh, wondering if they're just meandering through the countryside. So that's, that's one big help. But I'm really concerned about that. So we've had that discussion. And, of course, North Korea is, uh, has launched, a, uh, allegedly, an intercontinental ballistic-capable uh, missile. And I'm sure that's got Washington a little bit worried uh, because, well, maybe the first strike would be to Washington, D.C. And, uh, and it's really hard to stop them. I mean, how do you, how do you stop one of these things that, that flies? Well, that let, let, let me go through some of the, uh, the issues. Yeah. We, and firstly, number one, we had the Cuban Missile Crisis. Most people aren't aware that those missiles were in place until the fall of the Soviet Union in the late 1980s. They weren't, didn't go away. We also had missiles from the Insulet Air Base aimed at Russia's throat, too, during that time. Number two, they tried to put missiles the Russians did in Nicaragua, which is why we invaded. It was not because the Nicaraguan government went down. It was because we knew they had put missiles there, just like Cuba. And third, which is a bigger problem, is the implementation of not only nuclear missiles, but nuclear submarines in the size of the largest river in, uh, in Venezuela. In fact, I'm just going to pull this up and tell, see if I can tell you the actual name. Largest river in uh, Venezuela. 
and I know it's right beside Maracaibo. It is called uh, the Orinoco River. That's the one I think. Orinoco, right? It's a big river. I think it's the Orinoco. It's very. It's not as big as the Amazon, but it's pretty big. I mean, there's a number of the Rio, the Rio Negro, 1,398 miles. The Orinoco, 1,330 miles, but it's really, really broad. And uh, their nuclear submarines from Russia actually have tunneled into the sides of the, of the river. And uh, they're all prepared. They have intermediate-range nuclear missiles to hit the United States from the south. And there's more there than there ever was in, in Cuba or in Nicaragua or in the Guatemalan uh, U.S. border, which, by the way, I was a whistleblower to the U.S. government a few years ago, three years ago, that actually removed those missiles at the Mexican-Guatemalan border. And I, in fact, I even have satellite photos to send them, okay? So people need to know Dr. Deagle is not just doing radio. I'm doing other things, too. And I have contacts on the inside at CENTCOM, the Pentagon, etc. So this is serious stuff. And our vulnerability, we've actually had two years where North Korea alone could strike us with an EMP weapon, even based on their satellites, which for two years can cross U.S. airspace twice a day, uh, or off a, a riverboat or, you know, or a fishing boat uh, 300 miles off the coast, 200 miles off the coast, which is an in international water. So if you think they can't hurt us, and the other country that's doing these same tests for over 30 years is, North, is, uh, is Iran. Iran has been testing EMP attacks against us, and they just announced last week they're going to deploy a part of the Iranian Navy in the Gulf of Mexico. You heard about that, right? Yes. Right. So people need to realize we're warming up for World War III, and the first phase of that war, because it's going to come in spasms and sputters, is next year. And my prediction is a 95% chance that we're going to have a nuclear attack against the decapitation of North Korea and Iran. A 95% chance that we're going to have to invade Venezuela because of the government there has literally succumbed to Russia and China, who are deploying intermediate-range nuclear missiles and forces, including ground and naval forces there, to do an attack in the United States from the south. If you don't think this is happening, you're not paying attention. And by the way, if you're a government person, I'll give you even more information than you can imagine because you're not going to get necessary from another government department because they don't talk to each other. Even when one agency like Space Command knows stuff or the NSA knows stuff, they don't tell the CIA or FBI. The biggest thing that drives me nuts is even when intel agencies in our own government know things, they don't tell the other agencies. That's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely, it is crazy, but it's, it is. it's absolutely it's, it's, true. Well, it's it's yeah. almost like they're in competition uh, for more and more funding. Turf war, turf wars, turf absolutely. wars. But funding and turf wars, and every year they have to increase the budget. You can never decrease the budget. So do you know, and give me the size of the budget, the NSA is 300 times more budget than the CIA, which has more budget than all other intel agencies on the planet. Just gives you an idea how much the no such agency, that's what they call themselves, my buddies there that laugh, the no such agency guys, they're everywhere. They're in cyberspace, they're in space around the planet, they're in everybody's back door, they're with marketing companies like uh, Amazon, they're everywhere. They're inside cyberspace with you. Most people think life insurance... And welcome back. And uh, so, Vince, you've done some mathematics, and the mathematics is scary math. I call it scary math. <laughs> it's not Halloween, by the way. This is scary math. You talk <laughs> about the math of how, how long your propane generator, your gas generator, or diesel lasts, mm-hmm. just because of wear out of parts or friction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long does it say, uh, I have propane. I have a 20-kilowatt uh, propane generator. It runs full lot throttle, 20 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. I think you calculate it at 500 hours, which is like 21 days. 
Yeah. Now, if it's running wide open throttle, uh, 21 days, assuming you you shut let, it down, let, change let, the let's oil. Say, let's say we change, shut it down, change the oil. How often should we change the oil to keep it running? Every 25 hours. <laughs> if if it has if it doesn't have an oil filter, well, yours is pretty large, so you'd probably want to. We have, a, we, have, we have an oil filter on it. So yeah. Really... So you'd want to change your oil every 50 to 100 hours, I would think. And you'd probably want to use the ver- well. I would use the very best oil I could find, which would be a synthetic oil. But let, let's let's go back to the let's the Lowe's or the Home Depots of the world. You know that kind of a, a generator that that uh, most most people might. You know, in other words, they go in and they have one that they wheel in, and it's a little gas generator you're talking about. Yeah, or it has handles, and, and two people pick up the generator, one on each side of the generator, that kind of thing. Maybe eight horsepower or so. Well, let's let's scale this down to like a lawnmower, which is a very similar type of an engine. It's a gasoline-powered, air-cooled engine. Right? When they start up their lawnmowers, it, it idles, and then what do they do? They move the throttle to wide open throttle. Right. So the lawnmower runs at 3600 revolutions per minute. Now let's, if you were to leave that lawnmower outside for 15 minutes at night running wide open throttle and you looked, you would see the muffler glowing red hot. Right. That's why they have a cage around it. Because it glows red hot. That thing, I mean there's a lot of heat in there that needs to be removed by the oil. That's the job of the oil. So you're going to want to change that oil every 25 hours. I mean, that's what the manuals used to say. Well, let's, right. let's do the arithmetic. So the average lawn gets cut 32 times a year. And let's say we use that lawnmower 30 minutes per cut. That's 960 minutes a year or 16 hours a year. 16 hours times 5 years is 80 hours. That thing's worn out typically in 5 years or 80 hours. Wow. Yeah. You know, we think that they last a long, long time, but they don't. That's why we replace them so, so often. So here, here's what you want to do. I have propane. What I would want to do is, <coughs> if my power kicks out, this turns on in four seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, that's okay if it's just going to kick on. Say your power's gone out for a half an hour, and it kicks back in, and you've got regular power. Mm-hmm. But if you have an emergency situation, we call a, uh, an Armageddon situation, you want to only use that power maybe for a half an hour, an hour a day if you're going to be running, say, electric cooktop or other things you need. And most of your power should be non-moving parts like solar. So what you've developed is a solar bank system, and you want to store that power. The best power system is either nickel-iron batteries or lithium batteries. Uh, they're there. And they have, of course, cobalt ones, and they're short of cobalt all over the world now, too. By the way, the best place to get cobalt is Yugoslavia, believe it or not. That's where the most amount of cobalt is in the world. It's one of the reasons why they invaded Yugoslavia is because they had a lot of secure metals, like cobalt, that you couldn't find anywhere else, and they weren't going to hand over the materials to the United Nations on all the underground mineral resources of the world are actually handed over, including the under water aquifers of every nation on earth are owned by the UN and the under ocean methane hydrates and minerals under the ocean people don't realize it's already been literally handed over by our governments to a world government already did you know that? keep going yeah that's crazy isn't it <laughs> so, so what, what I'm saying is people should understand if you don't have solar you don't have power and you don't want to use these other things except for periodic things for maybe half hour an hour at a time or you're going to burn out your system or if you don't have the oil to replace it it's going to fail on you and you're not going to have power even if you still have propane or liquid natural gas and of course LNG 
liquid natural gas usually means you have to have a gas line. If they shut the gas lines off because we have earthquakes, volcanoes, or a nuclear attack, you're not going to have LNG because your your line's going to be shut off, right? Mm-hmm. Let me give you let me give you some more arithmetic. Uh, let's talk about propane uh, since you mentioned it. It takes about two horsepower to produce a thousand watts of electrical energy, you know, under load. And right. um, let's say we had a 500 gallon propane tank, and it was yeah, I filled. Got, I got two 500s, two 500s. Okay. Your 500, even though it's 500 gallons, you can't fill it more than 80% because it will, in the heat of the summer, uh, it, it can uh, pop off the, the valves. Right. Yeah. And so, so you never get 500 gallons. You're getting maybe 400 gallons, let's say. You're getting, at the most, 400. That's exactly right. That's the number. So let's, let's assume we had 500 gallons in a 500-gallon tank. If we did, for a five-horsepower generator running wide open throttle, it would run for 920 hours, typically, at 24 hours a day. That's 38 days. But we don't have 500 gallons. We only have 400. So we would, that 500-gallon tank filled up to 400 gallons, which is the maximum capacity, will only run for 31 days. Let's, let's put some more arithmetic. So if I take my 20-kilowatt generator and have it throttled back to 5 kilowatts, I will only have enough power for 31 days, is what you're saying, or a month. You, well, gener- so if I had two of these, let's say 400 gallons in each one, I'd have two months and then you're out. So unless you use it, if you only use it, let's say, an hour a day or whatever mm-hmm. to do specific things, mm-hmm. then you can lengthen that out by, by multiplying that, that two months by 24, so you got 48 months if you just use an hour a day. Yeah. That, that way you'd want to have propane augmented by solar, which is why you have the solar banks and the lithium batteries. And, of course, I talked to the company called Solar, which I think I'll get as a sponsor over here, because I think it's important to have things, to have solar, because you don't want new moving parts. You want something that's not going to wear out. You want something that's going to provide enough power for computers or communications or whatever, mm-hmm. including uh, uh, we call uh, you know radio, like shortwave radio. You want to have that system. That's why I tell people, get basic trauma life support, get basic cardiac life support, BTLS, BCLS, and uh, get a ham radio certificate and get a ham radio because you want a scanner so you can scan what's going on with the military and the police, and you also want a ham radio, and you want to have some power, but you don't need a whole lot. If you're, if you're cooking, meaning with, you know, let's say, uh, with, with wood or charcoal, or you're using your propane only periodically, let's say half hour, an hour a day, it can last year for 48, which is, you know, we're talking about four years, rather than being gone in two months. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, add some more numbers to this. I, just for the broadcast, I wanted to get the latest price of propane per gallon. And I called, and now I'm in Missouri, so this would be a, uh, a fairly large distributor of propane. They right. said dollar uh, seventy-nine per gallon if you get greater than 200 gallons. If you get up to 200 gallons of dollar 89, so let's use a lower number. Let's use the dollar 79. That 31 days worth of running the generator, that five kilowatt generator, that, or a five horsepower generator, I should say. Um, 31 days using 400 gallons is 716 dollars. Right. That's an enormous amount of money for a month's worth of electricity. And that really, that, that doesn't really mean the same amount of electricity that you'd be using from the utility company. You'd probably have maybe a, a $200 electric bill rather than that $716. Not, not, here, not here in California. You know what my bill was last month? And we only had, 
air conditioning for a couple of days, a couple of hours, three or four, three or four hours a day, $1,600. California, $1,600 for one month. Okay, look look to the east. Look to the east and start moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I call it Comufornia. Do you like that name? Comufornia. Comufornia. <laughs> I think we're back from the break, so uh, let's let's talk about this. We're, we we want to talk about you know survival. A lot of people don't realize if you're going to survive for food, you want to have layers of food storage. For example, if you're preparing a meal, it looks like you got three people at the meal, and you have three uh, bits of say meat that's left or other things you want to store. You have to dehydrate it first. And the next step I tell people is put it in tubes and have a big carafe of liquid nitrogen. You leave it in there 20 minutes. And it sterilizes without radiation and without chemicals. It's amazing how liquid nitrogen will literally kill all viruses, bacteria, and anything else that might cause you trouble like fungi. So you don't die of ptomaine poisoning years later if you try to eat the stuff. And uh, the third thing is you want to have a place to store it. Uh, What people don't realize is that uh, how many cans you're going to need, how much water you're going to need. That's why I tell people don't get 60-gallon jugs. Have five-gallon jugs you can stack in a, in, a, in, a, in a closet or in your attic or in your pantry area. But realize if the water gets shut off, you can only go about a day or two without water. You can go four minutes without oxygen. But if you don't have, any, and you can go maybe even a month without food if you have enough water. But you have to have electrolytes, and you have to make sure you have emergency food storage. It should be dehydrated food. Uh, it should be food that you've stored, you've dehydrated yourself and stored. The same thing with power. You can have backup propane or gasoline, but it's only going to last you so many hours. You're not talking about something that's going to last for years, and you should use it sparingly. You know, people don't understand how fast this is going to go. Uh, and you want to have pro- you want to have solar. Solar and, and uh, nickel hydrogen, nickel iron batteries, or solar, like Solark, which is we talked about. We're going to probably get them as a sponsor, uh, which is the lithium type batteries. <clears throat> because you have to understand, you don't need a lot of power to run electronics or other things for entertainment or for work or for connecting or communication, but you need to have enough. And uh, that's why a lot of people don't realize just how fast you can get into a lot of trouble because you're power deficient and your equipment doesn't work anymore because it's got moving parts and you need to have oil, etc. So let's continue on this, on this uh, frame okay. of thought. All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, gasoline generators. You know, usually when, uh, when the power goes out, the first thing people do is, is look for the matches and the candles, okay, or they look for the flashlight. And then they look for the batteries that, that might have some life left in them. And it, but really what they're looking for is, is a way of seeing what's going on so they can then do the next step. So lighting is really important. Well, if they buy a generator, uh, one of the things that these lower-cost generators um, do is they consume a lot of fuel typically about a gallon an hour. So if a person has one of those red five-gallon plastic uh, jugs filled you know, to five gallons, we're looking at about five hours of runtime. 
that's that's not very long. So what you have to do is figure out what loads you can have that generator run and how long you should run it before you shut it off so that you'll have fuel for the next time you fire it up. And so what's really important? Well, cooking is important. But if you think that you can run a cooktop or a burner of an oven or a stove on one uh, on a generator that's 5,000 watts, it's not going to work. And that 5,000 watts is not going to run the hot water heater either. I heard so, about the so, solar stoves. You heard about solar where they have a solar thing with reflectors, and oh, it's yeah. like steel, and you can actually put bread in there and cook it or mm-hmm. meat. And yeah, you can have a solar stove that actually heats it up enough over 160 degrees. You can cook yeah. meat, you can make bread, you can do all kinds of things in the solar stove without mm-hmm. using any power but the sun. Yes, as a matter of fact, you can make one out of a cardboard box and aluminum foil. You literally can. You can put a glass top on it, and you can make your own. Literally, out of just a cardboard box and, and the shiny side of the aluminum foil. But um, the, the, point, the point of this generator discussion is you can easily buy a gas, gas-powered generator at, at the big box store. But it's going to have a really short life expectancy if you run it 24 hours a day. Well, well, the one that, I, the one that I found the best, and I'll see if I get your feedback, is a Generac generator and, and tone it back like I'm going to get mine from 20 kilowatts back to 5. So my two 500-gallon tanks, and I'll have them, if it does switch on, I'll only run it for, say, an hour a day, so it'll last four years. Yeah. And then yeah. the idea is to have solar. I want to put a solar panel because I looked at solar, though, and the cost of solar to put it here in California. And I don't like the way they do it. They wanted you to dump power back to the solar corporation, and they're actually trying to charge the provider of solar power back to the lower power corporations like, you know, San Diego Gas and Electric, mm-hmm. SDG&E, so that you actually have to pay to put it back on their network, which I think is stupid. And then they'll accept the power at a very, very low rate, so they're getting a premium rate. <clears throat> and they'll, the thing is, if the power goes out, you don't have it stored at your home, so basically you don't have power, even though you get all these panels laying all over your yard. It's yeah. pretty stupid. In other words, it's abusive of the customers, what I'm saying. Yeah, what you're talking about is a grid-tied <clears throat> solar uh, system. And really what it does is there's an alleged... Uh, benefit to doing that where you generate solar power with your uh, solar panels and literally as you said it's stored at, at the uh, at the grid so the power company takes your electricity and if you need some you can take some back and it works great except they're not paying you very much for the for the power that you give them they're charging you full price for the power that you buy from them and if the grid goes down the, the equivalent of your battery is the grid so you've got nothing nothing yeah nothing. i think it's i think it's, see i don't want a grid tied system i want a system where i have my own batteries i don't need a ton of power i realize i have a few small solar panels but i want to expand that so i have a solar array but i want a lithium type system or a nickel um iron system like nickel iron batteries they really call them the edison batteries yes and i want to have that kind of system so that most of my power 24-7 will come from that my batteries. And if I need to turn on for a big power boost, I need for something, like I'm going to cook on my electric cooktop, because solar won't drive the cooktop. It's not That's powerful right. enough. That's right. Well, I, but if you, want to cook, if you want to cook, say, an hour a day or half an hour a day, you turn it on, you cook your stuff, and turn the thing off. Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the hot setup. The hot setup is to not have an electric stove and, and not have an electric cooktop. Because they consume so much electricity. Now, when, when everything is fine, when the grid is working, that's wonderful. 
I mean, an electric stove is really great. An electric oven, you can't beat it. A gas oven is not as good, Whoa. in my opinion, as a uh, an electric what, oven. What about if you take? Uh, I have a huge kitchen. What about if you take it so you actually build out so you have a uh, separate uh, gas lines as well, like propane lines mm-hmm. for your gas if you wanted to use it for cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you don't have to rely on the electric if the power goes down. You just kind of say, okay. And your refrigerators and everything is always on a circuit. And your, say, computers on your propane. So basically, cut your power bill. Because they have a thing here in California called tiers. Mm-hmm. And our tiers being their power bill, like last month, was like $1,600. And that's crazy because, you know, we're not manufacturing something. We have our computers on here because we process orders. We ship from here, which means we just put it in boxes. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we turn the air conditioner in the fall is like two or three days a week for four or five hours. That's it. Mm-hmm. But our power bill, because you're in a higher tier, is crazy. I call That's why I call it California. And they have the lowest level. They have like a deal where people that are really poor get their power relatively inexpensive because we're subsidizing it like communism. But here, if you're a larger home, and we don't have, we're not using our air conditioning very much at all. And we're not generating electric heat, for example, in the wintertime. Basically, with the bank of windows, we other than turning on our fireplaces in our living room and bedroom, we never need to turn on the heat. I mean, it's, we're in Southern California, and uh, that's one thing that's good is you really don't have the season of winter. It just doesn't occur here. Period. Doctor Bill, l- l- let me let me contrast that. Our electric, when our electric bill hit, goes over a hundred dollars, or had gone over a hundred dollars, I was furious. Like, how did it? Well, that's one hundred. Yours is sixteen hundred. I'm furious when it hits over 100 so the reason I built the solar array was to shut this thing down to zero that's my plan to, to totally eliminate well I want to eliminate I want to eliminate I want it to then be down so low that let's say uh, let's say the power goes up completely I'll just use my my propane powered cooking units and forget the electric stove right, and let's the talk about top. that let's talk about that when we come back good idea so in other words, I need to build a separate line there. Keep the old electric uh, cooktop for when you have lots of power and uh, augment that with the, you're cutting most of your power to the house all the time with solar, right? You've seen crazy... One of the solutions is if the power goes out, switch off your, don't use your cooktop anymore. And actually, I have a, a line right beside my barbecue, which I'll, I just, I'll set up a line. I'll get the propane people to hook up a line directly to my barbecue. So instead of using a propane tank, which I have to change periodically, just hook it up and have a valve control. So if you want to turn it on and turn on the line directly from the house, directly to the propane tank or to the, to the propane barbecue and cook only on the barbecue if the power goes out. Because the thing that's going to chew up your power is the electric cooktop. And, of course, your yeah. refrigerators, if they're on solar, they make a huge difference because then your refrigerator's on solar, your computers are on solar, your communication's on solar, you're all set. And then you don't have a power bill anymore uh, to worry about. And uh, whatever power bill you have, let's say, during the regular times, would only be for the time when you use your cooktop, which is you know going to be a lot less power. So be, like here in California, it'll we'll be spending maybe a hundred to two hundred dollars a month rather than sixteen hundred. 
And people yeah. need to understand that also frees up money for you to to do other things because prepping isn't just you know the terminal thing where society breaks down. It's what can I do now to save on power and so on, and how can I also use my land? For example, I put in a a greenhouse on my property. I also have fruit and nut trees that are in season. So I go down to my front yard and I can get avocados and get fruit right around the entire year, including uh, you know grapefruit and uh, and oranges and and uh, pomegranates and so on, depending on what's in season. And there's always some fresh fruit down there, even if it's uh, or uh, lemons and limes. Mm-hmm. So you end up getting some fresh fruit. You can even grow things like in your windowsill. Uh, the greens, for example, people should understand. You start, you start adding these other layers. Something even simple, for example, one thing I came up with was this is an interesting idea from my old friends in botany that did research at the University of British Columbia. If you have a thousand part per million mild hyperbaric chamber, which I've talked to the people that make them at some to see, you can get a pet chamber, relatively inexpensive, and even have it it's large enough to just go on your windowsill. You can actually grow food at an enormous pace, three to five times faster, and much bigger than normal food, uh, simply by mineralizing it with our Indian me and the minerals that we can add, and mild hypercarbic, hyper, uh, hyperbaric, hypercarbic. Uh, growth of food. You can grow it at an enormous pace just in your window, even if you're in a northern state like Montana. So you don't have to have an outside garden even. You could be in a hotel or in a skyscraper and you can grow it in your window. Right? Yeah. You know, you were you uh, said something that caught my attention. We were talking about propane in your grill. Uh, let me give you some numbers that, that are really, uh, really kind of nice to hear. We have, uh, I mentioned that we have uh, propane tanks and we have them manifolded together so they're all tied together. The propane companies would like you to uh, turn them all on. So if you have two, they want you to have both valves on so you're drawing from both propane tanks at the same time. Well, if you, if you do that and you have a leak, you are going to lose propane from both tanks. The most propane that I could lose is whatever propane's in the one tank that I'm using at a time. But you have, but you have three tanks, so yeah. you manifold it so that it uses one tank and then it goes to the other tank. Is that automatic or do you have to go and switch no. a valve? No, I, I try to do everything manually. <clears throat> and, um, and, and that forces me to go out and check things and see where we are. And that's what I wanted to share with, uh, with your audience today and you. So how much propane do we use? Well, we use propane for cooking. Uh, at the uh, we have a drop-in range, so it's gas, it's propane gas. So we have the oven and we have the four burners, a traditional 30-inch uh, uh, cooktop. Well, we filled it up several years ago, probably three years ago, at the soonest. And I recently checked how much propane is in the. So it was filled to uh, 80%, and there's a gauge that's 80, 70, 60, you know, and so forth. Well, it's down to 70%, 7-0. So we used 10% of the fuel in that tank, in that 500-gallon tank, in three or four years. My so we gosh. really don't use that much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, so, and, so you're in your yeah. prep dogs to be able to cook food. And I think if you, if I remember correctly, your ranch is 240 acres and you have cattle on there. So you already have meat. Yeah. If you have a garden, get vegetables. Uh, the only thing you're going to need now is you need to have people around so you have enough people to have a, a guard to guard the perimeter of your property because obviously this is what happened in the 1920s, 75% plus of the population was in 10 to 15 miles of a garden or a farm. Now it's less than 4% of the U.S. population within range of a garden or farm or someplace to get food. And as a result, 
things are really going to get haywire if the power goes out and people can't get out of the big cities and they can't get groceries in or, or fuel in actually for people to escape or drive away. And I don't think the society is prepared for that, are they? We're getting more and more growth in mega cities. I think they're saying that more than half of the world population will exist in something like, uh, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 mega cities. That's craziness, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, let me share another little statistic with you. In 1959, we had a drought here in Missouri. Uh, I wasn't here at the time, but but I've heard about it and I researched it, and it's absolutely true. So there was a, a really significant drought. Farmers who had cows had to sell them because they couldn't feed them. They didn't have any grass. Those that tried to hang on to a few of their cows were cutting trees down. They would cut a tree down, and then they would let the cows eat the leaves. And, to, and, and they lost a lot of their trees by doing that. Well, I tried it to see if it worked. I cut a little tree down that was in the way, and it lasted a couple hours. And then the, Yeah, I, got a, I, got a, I have a solution for you. I have a solution mm-hmm. for you. I've had Paul Power from the Primary Water Institute. If you do this ground-penetrating radar, you can actually find out exactly where the water is. It could be 12 to 14, 2,400 feet deep. And if you drill deep enough and you have a solar-powered pump, uh, virtually everywhere in America, especially near fault zones, there's tons of water. Here in California, in fact, they did calculations are down in Ensenada, which is south of here on the coast. They've been trying for the past 15 years. Well, Paul came down. He's been all over the place. He did an exploration this past spring up at 6,000 feet in Northern California, and he was getting something like 10,000 gallons a minute out of that pump. 10,000 gallons. So people need to understand there's primary water everywhere. One of the things that ticked off the globalists is Muammar Gaddafi wasn't just setting up a social program to pay people for the oil revenue so that they have... You know, free health care to go anywhere in the world and free insurance to, you know, to, to for health care and free university care, etc. He actually was drilling primary water. And 75% of the new water in the lakes and the reservoirs was oasis water. All the oases across North Africa and the Middle East are all from what's called primary water or nascent water from deep inside the mantle. And the fact is, no matter where you are, even if there's a drought, there's tons of water deep. And we're not talking about the aquifer water that's just in the regular aquifers. We're talking about deeper than that. Some places it's actually more shallow. Uh, we did a calculation here, and we did GPR uh, here a few years ago, and we can get a well right at the bottom of my property about 350 feet. But if you go to get nascent water, you might go 12, 1,200 feet, but there's literally almost infinite water. And so the idea that we need to have droughts, the problem is when I talk to the water companies like here in California, they know it's there, but they don't want to talk about it because they can charge you X amount of dollars for water because it's like any business. I, I, I use this analogy in healthcare. Carrying birds like vultures live on roadkill, and the, and the doctors live on, on on diseased patients and sick patients. Well, the bureaucrats and the water companies and the power companies live off ignorant people. Yeah, let they me, do. Let me I mean, they don't, they're ignorant of the fact that they they didn't. Those farmers, if they could have drilled down, let's say, to the nascent water, and we know they're all over the place. They, and they've done all GPR all over America, so they already have the deep well uh, ground penetrating radar to look for oil. They know where the water supplies are down, 12, 1,400 feet, 2,500 feet. They just don't want to tell you because if you drill down there and you had, let's say, a utility drilling to that level and getting reservoirs refilled, you'd have tons of water no matter where the hell you are, even out in the desert in Arizona. They don't want to tell you that because it would regreen the deserts, it would change the property rights, it would do all kinds of stuff like you'd have farms in the middle of an open desert, right? Yeah. Now, in 1959, what happened here in Missouri, we didn't have solar power. So, and, and very few people had generators. So this, this drought came on fairly quickly. Now, the deer, people would say, I'll just go shoot me a deer. You know, I'll go hunt rabbits and squirrels. Uh, there weren't any. 
They were all hunted very, yeah, they, very quickly. Hunted and died really quickly. They were gone. Gone in no time at all, right? Right, right. So that that solution, I got me a rifle and I'm going to be okay. There's plenty of food. That's a myth. That's a myth. And And the proof of that is... Why does everybody go hunting who's hunting on the first day of hunting season? Why do they why don't they wait till the last day? Because there's nothing left. Well not only that, if you want rabbits, you have to have a rabbit hutch and grow them in your own yard. Uh if you want to have chickens, you have to have a chicken uh, you know thing is set up in your own the chicken coop and so on. We have neighbors on the road that are district attorney and a, and a criminal defense attorney that have their own chickens right next door as well in our eight-home gated community. Uh, you need to be prepared for the fact that if you aren't self-sustaining and have those things now, don't expect to hunt them. They're not going to be there. Everybody else, including wild animals, will eat them. Yeah. yeah. Interesting discussion. Yeah, power, water. Exactly. In other words, uh, prep today, live tomorrow. How's that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm going to send out some of this information, by the way. We're collecting more and more names. We want to send out some prepper things. Give me some documents you want me to fire out to everybody that we have on our list now. And if you want to get on our list, just email me, drbilldeagle at hotmail.com. We'll set you on our email list. There's no charge. It's part of Nutramedical USA Prepares Prepper School. Thank you, Vince Finelli. Have you ever lost your power? Need a powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens? Allison Med is the powerful universal pathogen killer's latest advance of German-sourced Allison, enzymatically stabilized to clear the body of bacteria, fungi, mycobacteria, and parasites. It penetrates body biofilms and is non-toxic to tissues. Pathogen resistance cannot develop for long-term body-optimized wellness. Clear stealth pathogens that promote autoimmune disease, cancer and vascular inflammation and plaque and promote healing of tissues. Now pathogen-free. With 200 milligrams more power than prior Alamed, you can't get a more powerful ally to fight daily bugs and serious pathogens. Give your body what it needs. Allison Med. Order Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutridyne at 888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. That's 1-888-212-8871 or Nutramedical.com. And listen to the Nutramedical Report on the Genesis Radio Network with open lines every weekday. Nutramedical.com, bringing nutrition and medicine together. 